Holy Spirit, we thank you for the grace that you give us. It's so good. It's a grace right now, brothers and sisters. It's a grace to let go of everything we've come with and hold on to the expectancy that God is going to do something good in our midst. He's already started doing so many good things. In the name of Jesus, I bless all the good things that have already begun and all the good things that are to come. We declare over this place, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is no bondage that's too big for you, Jesus. There is no chronic problem, no chronic thought, no addiction, no emotion that drives me. There's no thing that you can't set free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, bless you, Holy Spirit, to move in our midst. Praise God. Praise God. Hmm. Amen. 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 I'm just going to get right to it. I'm going to invite Pastor Mickey to come. And as she comes, I want to share with you, this is one of my most favorite people (laughs) to minister in spiritual freedom with. Not only is she orderly and administrative, which is great. It's a gift from God. And she does it as unto the Lord. But there's an anointing on you. There's an anointing on you with power and authority. And I've seen some of the greatest breakthroughs ministering with her. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. So I want to pray for you. (laughs) Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word that you have put in her heart part of which she understands, and part of which she will understand more as she delivers it. Spirit of God is upon you, sister. We bless that spirit to come forth out of your heart, out of your mouth, to prosper for the thing for which God has sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. that. Okay. So I apologize. I don't have a, um, whatever the thing is to put up there to show you the PowerPoint. Is that what you call it? Yeah. I don't, I don't have that. I don't have a three point sermon. I don't have a three point sermon. Um, but hopefully I have a word from the Lord. So, so I've had a couple of people ask me, what is freedom ministries? And, um, we use our, our, my vision verse, how about that? My vision verse is Galatians 5.1. And in the New King James, it reads, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So it's about freedom from sin. It's about breaking of strongholds or mindsets. It's about walking in freedom, and that's an ongoing process with many layers, and not all of the layers are revealed at the same time. 
Our Christian walk is a journey of freedom, and sometimes it's dropping baggage as we go. And, you know, the more you travel, the more you learn how to pack correctly and kind of take less things, and so you have less baggage to carry with you. So how does this compare to a freedom seminar? I've been asked that question this past week, too. Is this like, you know, the old freedom seminars that we used to do? And generally, those freedom seminars we did, which were awesome and life-giving, they were generally teaching on specific areas and topics and praying to break those strongholds or sin patterns, like anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, pride, those kind of things. So this is just a little bit different. This is, and, and the other thing I've been asked is, how, how is a freedom service different from a regular service? Well, it is and it isn't, because sermons are to teach and encourage and correct, and this is the same, but the focus is on how sin patterns or poor thought patterns can create strongholds, and so our desire is to see them broken. So, I don't know about you, but I need to pray again. So, Father, I just ask, Holy Spirit, you would come. Just come, Holy Spirit. We need to hear from you and you alone. And so, I um, I just ask, Father, that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what you want to do tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So strongholds that are not brought down or broken can contribute to an attitude of complacency and or backsliding. And old Uncle Dan, as opposed to Sam's brother Dan, it's his Uncle Dan, old Uncle Dan, always called backsliding black abiding. So it's not that purposeful turning away. It's letting things get complacent in our life. And so I want you to picture, um, and I know you've all seen it. We've seen many pictures of Jesus. You know, you see the one with him holding the sheep, and, you know, you get the verse of the Lord Shepherd and... And there's another one that you usually see with him standing behind or standing beside a door. You know, there's usually a pretty garden gate and whatever, and Jesus is knocking on the door. Well, I've always pictured that and have heard many people talk about that as Jesus knocking on the door of the sinner's heart. He wants the sinners to come to him, so open the door to Jesus. Is that the picture you guys get? No? I'm the only one? Okay. All right, well, that that helps me. So I'm going to turn to Revelations. When we talk about freedom ministries, a lot of times we talk about building walls, breaking those walls down, you know, opening doors. We've opened a door to let something come in our life that shouldn't come in. Well, God's been speaking to me about the door for quite a long time, and it took a few things over the last year to make this more pertinent to me. So um, in Revelations chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 14 through 22, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen. 
the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So there's, in the first part of Revelations, there's seven messages to seven churches. And mostly they start with a commendation about how good you are. This is what you're doing right. I encourage you in that. You're doing that part well. And then there's a correction. So there's some things that you're doing wrong. So we need to fix those things. That's a, that's a, this is a good lesson for parents. I wish I had learned that when my kids were younger. But you, you start with that encouragement, and then you bring in the correction, and you show them what they need to improve. Well, this portion, this church in Laodicea, there is no commendation. There is no, you're doing this part right. Why? Why is that? Because they are a lukewarm church. They have become complacent to the point that Jesus wants to vomit. So in verse 20, that's where we see that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. He is talking to the church. So in the picture I get in my mind where he's talking to like sinners that have never known him and and need to be saved. This is the church. He's talking to the church. So he's talking to us because we're the church. We are the church. So I picture in my mind, Pastor Paul um, preached a sermon a few months back that put this picture in my mind, and then he almost preached this for me a couple of weeks ago when he started knocking on the pulpit up here, talking about the door, if you were listening. <laughs> but he, he was talking a few months back, too. He was talking about a door. And as he was speaking, I got this picture in my mind of the, of the heart being like this hallway full of doors. Okay, And behind these doors are like categories of memories where you file things, things that happen. We file it accordingly. Let me just click my button here and flip my behind the right door. Good memories, bad memories, hurts, traumas, disappointments. We file them all into the correct door, okay? So what happened to this church? How did it get to be, how did the church in Laodicea get to be a lukewarm church? 
How did, how did they become complacent? So verse 17, if you go back there, it says, where are we? You are wretched and miserable. So they are no longer, their condition is apart from God. They are wretched and miserable. That is their condition apart from God. Okay? So two, let's see, what else are they? They are poor. So their souls and spirits are starving. They're literally starving. So they're wretched, they're poor, they're uh, blind. Okay? Verse 17. You don't even realize it. You don't realize you're wretched, wretched and miserable, you're poor and blind. So they no longer see or recognize their need of Jesus. So they become complacent. And they are okay with the status quo, so much so that they don't see the truth. And they're naked. They have no garment of righteousness. And in verse 20, it tells us again that there's a closed door that Jesus wants to enter to bring healing and resolution and freedom. So what's behind the door? I thought of another door. Genesis, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Now, King James Version says it lies at the door. This one says it's crouching. But can you see the contrast between sin crouching and lying, lying and Jesus standing? That sin is, it's there and ready and wanting to just devour, and Jesus is standing and waiting. And knocking, okay? So, uh, personal testimony. There was several months back, quite a while back, there was an instance where um, I was having a struggle. And my struggle happened to be with my pastor. So I was hurt and offended over something that was said to me. And um, I let it affect almost everything. So I heard something that was said. And because of some hurts in my life, I took what was said and magnified it. Do you ever do that? Am I the only one? No? Again, I'm the only one, right? <laughs> so I had this I had this hurt, and um, I got to the point where I, I just did not want to listen to anything. I was frustrated. 
Um, I was isolating. I finally did talk to somebody who said to me, very wise man, said to me, you, you need to go to him. If it's bothering you that much, you need to go to him. And I tried to pray it off. I really did. I did try to pray it off, but it just wasn't going anywhere. Um, and the person that I went to was not only wise, but he was caring. And I am going to encourage you, just as a side note, that if you have a problem with somebody, don't go to their enemy <laughs> to get counsel. Because you're going to get the wrong kind of counsel. So I went to somebody that I knew cared about our pastor. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a lot of people out here that care about our pastor, okay? But you also know that when you have something you want to complain about, you can get somebody on your side to complain with you. You know that, right? You can, you can get somebody to feed you all the wrong stuff. You feed them stuff. He didn't know I was going to use this example, this testimony, so I know he's going to be patient and bear with me here. But um, I know, right? So I not only did I take offense at Pastor Josh, but I pulled Pastor Paul into it because they must be in on this together. If one thinks this way, the other one must think this way, and they must be in this together. And so I, I was rude. I was short. I was avoiding. I was doing all those things. And so finally when I sat down with them and talked to them, we talked through a lot of things. They prayed for me. At one point in time, Pastor Paul says to me, I recognize what this is, and we can help you with this. And I said, not today, Your Majesty. <laughs> Do you remember that? Not today, You're not. Now the door was cracking open, but it was not wide open. And so you... You, you're just, I mean, I'm, just give me time to, to sink into this forgiveness moment because I'm not ready for the rest of it, okay? So I didn't want to open the door because I knew it was behind it. I knew where I had filed that hurt, and I knew the rest of the stuff that was in that door. And it was a lot bigger than just this one instance. There was a lot of stuff there. There was a lot of years there, actually. And so my reaction that today is not the day was um, a symptom of a much bigger, a much bigger unresolved issue. So I did walk away that day with a better relationship with my pastors, my friends. Um, but the root for me was still unresolved, not of that issue of my issue. That root was still unresolved. <clears throat> but God was faithful. The door was cracked that day, and God was faithful to keep on knocking. And he is not like a pushy salesman that gets his foot in the door and just shoves his way in. He is patient, and he is kind, and he is loving, and he just, he just knocks because his desire is for us. And so he continues to give us opportunities to completely open to him. And he is faithful to give us opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities are not good or they don't feel good at the moment, but they're for our good, even if they don't feel good. But it does cost us something. 
And so if you go back with me to Revelations, we're going to see a little bit about what it cost, okay? So he tells them in verse 18, this is is Jesus' advice to the church of Laodicea. I advise you to buy gold from me. Now, this is not the commercial where you turn in all your money and you get gold and you go stick it under your mattress or whatever you're going to do with it. But when we buy something, we have to give something up. That's what buying is all about. There's an exchange that takes place. You go to the store, you pick something up, you pay for it. If you don't pay for it, you pay for it, okay? So there's a giving something up when we buy something. So he, he tells them, buy gold from me. Gold refined in the fire. That's giving up our rights. So what we're, what we're giving, what we're paying is we're giving up our rights. The right to be hurt, the right to be angry, the right to be offended for something lasting. Because he's talking about gold that's been refined, which means that there's something, after the refining, there's something that's left. So what's left is peace, is joy, those kind of things. There's an exchange. There's always an exchange with Jesus. That's what I about him okay so he goes on to say also buy white garments from me so that you'll not be shamed by your nakedness so what are you giving up you're giving up your sin and your shame your condemnation and what are you getting in return you're getting sanctification his robe of righteousness and then he's saying buy ointment for your eyes So you'll be able to see. So what are you giving up there? You're giving up your own reasoning, your own understanding for his wisdom and his discernment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So there's always, there's always a giving up. Now, even though I was not ready to deal with my issue that day, over time, because I allowed that door to be open, God gave me ample opportunity and many opportunities to finish that process. And it, it took some time, and it, it took sitting with him, and it took giving up my right to be offended at people. It just, I don't think he completed that process until I was in Uganda, honestly. It was a big exchange that took place. Here's a quote from Matthew Henry. If religion is worth anything, it is worth everything. There's no room for neutrality. Christ expects that men should declare themselves in earnest either for him or against him. Those are your options. To be a victorious Christian and overcomer, we need to be all in. How do we be all in? Verse 19 tells us, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. The New King James Version says to be zealous and repent, but be diligent and turn from your indifference. The issue isn't what's behind the door of your heart so much. Mine was an issue with rejection, okay? The real issue is there an open access to Jesus in every area of Is there an open access to Jesus in every area of your life? 
Is there a place where you say, nope, this one you can't have. This one I'm not giving up. I'm holding on to my right. And maybe, maybe, maybe you legitimately have a right to be offended. But do you want to hold that offense so much that you're not willing to exchange it for what God has in return? Because I can guarantee it's so much better. So if there, if there isn't an open access to Jesus in every area, it will eventually neutralize your relationship with him. Just we were talking in Life Group the other day because we, we uh, tagged off from Pastor Josh's sermon on Sunday about the leaven. And you see when you have a piece of fruit that is rotten, what happens to the rest of them in the bowl or the, or the drawer or the refrigerator? That rotten fruit infects everything else that's there. When you leave something in your heart that you know is there and you say, well, it's behind this door and it's closed and it's not affecting this part of my life. Well, it is. It really is. It's not only affecting you, but it's affecting the people around you. And God has a plan for you for good and not for evil, a perfect plan. And it's not even about what's happening to you. It's how if you are neutralized, you cannot be effective in the place of ministry that he has for you. Cain dealt with anger, pride, and jealousy. The church in Laodicea forgot their need of Jesus, and they became lukewarm. Is there a door? That's my question for you tonight. Is there a door that you have not yet been willing to open and let Jesus in? Is there an area? Is there an area of your life that he's been knocking at and you've been saying, I don't want to deal with this right now. I just don't. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. I'm going to have to forgive someone. They don't deserve it. I got news for you. You didn't really deserve it either. You really didn't. Neither did I. But he forgave us anyway because he loves us. And he died for us. And he has a plan for us. And I'm going to ask you, again, if there's a door that you haven't been willing to open, that you'd be willing to open tonight. We have people here that want to pray with you. Um, if you even want to just, what I had to do is I, I had to sit with God on my own. I, I know because I know Pastor Josh and Pastor Paul. I know that when I walked out of that room that day and said, um, today's not the day, I know that they prayed for me. I know that they did. I know that they did. And there's opportunities for you today. But I had, I had to walk through some things by myself. I had to sit before the Lord and say, I've held this in my heart. I haven't let you heal it. I haven't been able to expose it to the light. I haven't been able to do any of those things. And, and over time, that door got opened further and further and further. And i got to tell you, it's been about a year. And it wasn't an easy year. And God can do it in moments if you let him. He can do it in moments. And so I'm going to ask you, I don't know if there's any music you want to play, Dan. But I have really said all that I feel like God has put it on my heart to say. And so there are people in the room that are willing to pray for you. If you want to just be left alone, 
at the altar and deal with it yourself, you can do that. But ask yourself if there's a place you haven't let God deal with you yet. And I think it's time. So, Father, we just ask that you would do your perfect work. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put your finger on anything that is separating us from you, anything that's causing us to be lukewarm or complacent, anything that's neutralizing us so that we don't walk in the power and the authority that you've given us to walk in. God, you have a better plan for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that everybody in this room, if we cannot say, I am 100% all in, everything is out there, everything is open, Holy Spirit, come and deal with me however you want to deal with me. If, if, if we can't say that 100% tonight, Lord, I pray that you would prick their hearts, prick our hearts. And I pray that you would bring us to a place, God, that we would give it all up to you for your glory. In Jesus' name.